I liked to compete. So when that was gone, it was really, really tough. And it was tough to some days even get out the door. Like I remember some weeks where I maybe got out for two or three runs, which it's not really much. Feeling locked up really was part of that whole lack of motivation. That was Paula Wiltsey, and this is episode 134 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Paula Wiltsey is an elite 55-year-old master's runner from my hometown of Brockville, Ontario. She has personal bests of 17.02 for the 5K all the way up to 248.50 for the marathon and has even held some Canadian master's age group records throughout the years. At the age of 50 in 2017, Paula became part of a rare group of women to break three hours for the marathon, running an impressive 258.52 in Chicago. I was fortunate enough to interview Paula about her storied career on the Women Run Canada podcast back in 2021, which you can find in our show notes. In this episode, we take a deep dive into what's been going on for Paula over the past five years. And to sum it up, it's a lot. Like many of us, Paula's running took a big hit during the pandemic, but she's also been dealing with perimenopause, the strength and speed loss that happens to women in their 50s, and losing her 20-year sponsorship with Saucony. We talk about how she's navigated all of this and redefined success for herself along the way, as well as how she plans to get back in touch with her competitive drive to knock out a fast 5K this fall. Paula is an online coach with Mile to Marathon, and she coaches a group in the Brockville area called My Reason to Run. So if you're looking for some help with your running, you should definitely check her out. Paula is the real deal, and we appreciate her sharing so honestly about the challenges she's faced over the past five years. So please join us in welcoming Paula Wiltsey to the show. Okay, well, Paula Wiltsey, it is so exciting to have you with us tonight. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's our pleasure. And I had the pleasure of interviewing you on the Women Run Canada podcast. So I will refer people to uh, that conversation for uh, your full backstory and career highlights. But probably it's worth mentioning off the top here that our special little connection is that you lived in my hometown of uh, Brockville, Ontario very close to my parents' house when my husband and I were first getting into running around 2012, right up until about 2016 when we moved away. And we weren't living in Brockville then, but we still came back quite a bit to visit my parents. And we'd either see you running up and down Hartley Street doing your training, or we'd be lining up against you at local races. And uh, Johnny and I didn't know much about running at the time, but we did know that you were absolutely kicking our butts and (laughs) (laughs) you were just honestly so far out of my league that I just stood back watching in utter amazement. But you and Johnny were actually pretty competitive and he was in his early 30s at the time. And it used to, I'll just tell you this, really, really bother him that a woman in her mid-40s could leave him so humbled so often. <laughs> and it bothered him to a point that he said, I'm going to train and train. And someday I'm going to beat Paula Wiltsey. <laughs> so why don't we start there? Why don't we start with uh, what do you remember about those epic battles with Johnny Coffin? 
Well, you can let Johnny know that I was just running away from him. I just okay. didn't, didn't want him to catch me. <laughs> That'll be better. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Johnny's surpassed me now. I think he's taken out all my all my PBs. Because remember, we kind of had that little competition going with, you know, who's run the fastest times. And I think he's he's taken me out. I think maybe in everything but the five or the um, 10K. I think oh, you still okay. have him in the 10K. Okay. Good yeah. to know. So he'll be, yeah, he'll be creating his 2023 goals around <laughs> trying to take out your 10K. There uh, you go. That's, that's just a fun little, a little anecdote. But uh, back at, on the Women Run Canada podcast, we went through your whole career beginning with, um, actually, maybe you, you want to mention this sweet part about your origin story so the the way that you got into running your mom was actually diagnosed with cancer way back in 2003 actually she was diagnosed with cancer in 90, 1997 um it was two weeks after i had my daughter right. and um yeah so we happened to be out in ottawa um while she was getting treatment and that's when the race weekend the big ottawa race weekend wasn't as big as it is now and uh, there was a there was a run for breast cancer, so that was kind of my my first race I set as my goal, and that kind of brought me back to running. Yeah, yeah, because you had gotten away from you'd done it when you were young, you'd gotten away from it, and this sort of brought you back. Yeah, you know, your mom ended up passing away right from cancer, Correct, and your yeah. daughter was just born, and so it it sort of um, became yeah. a big part of your life around then. Which again, if for all the details, I would go back and listen to our other interview because it's um, pretty pivotal. But you've been running very, very strong ever since then. And yeah. actually you're 55 now. And at the age of 50, you are one of a very few um, in the elite club of women who had uh, broken three hours for the marathon. You ran 258 and change in the 2017 Chicago marathon, which yes. was such a huge deal at the time, right? Yes. Um, do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about that race? I don't think we spent much time on that one in our, in our other interview. Yeah, I think going into that race, um, training had gone really well. And, um, you know, I, I always go into the bigger races with kind of an A, B and C plan. Um, you know, breaking the three hours was kind of the A plan. And then it was, um, you know, the Canadian record was there as well. And, Ideally, I think I just wanted to complete the marathon too, right? You never know going into a marathon what you're going to get. So I was able to achieve all those goals, which was great. Um, you know, I think, I still think I had more in the tank. I think I could have went a little faster, but again, race day, it wasn't, uh, it didn't turn out perfect, but it was good enough to get me through, you know, what my goals were set for that day. What marathoner ever finishes a marathon and says, oh, that was absolutely everything I had. We always <laughs> think we have more in the tank. You know what? Like I've, I've, I wouldn't consider myself an avid marathon runner, but I've had those races where I've run those negative splits and finished strong and really, you know, looked at those races as a really good race, right? When you can negative split and you're coming through and, you know, the recovery is a little easier than the one before, but yeah. again, you just never know. Yeah. 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 
Well, that was pretty special. And I know that there was, I think Canadian running magazine might've done an article. There was, there was some articles on you after that because of what a big accomplishment that it was. And I think that was maybe 10 minutes or so off of your personal best, but to do it at age 50. um, Also, wasn't Joan Benoit Samuelson supposed to be in that race? You were going to key off of her, but then she didn't end up running it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, right. Yes, you remember that. No, like, uh, I mean, again, she is a phenomenal um, masters runner who's still probably running marathons faster than I could do right now. But yeah, she was meant to be in there. And her goal, I think, if I'm not mistaken, she would have been 60 plus then. So she was trying to break the three hours as well. But she, um, I don't know if it was injuries, but she ended up not being there on that day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you did just fine on your own, (laughs) Um, but we want to focus a big part of this conversation today on these past five years. So what's happened since turning 50? And and our understanding is that these past five years have presented their fair share of challenges for you to overcome, uh, not the least of which was going through a global pandemic. So yes, yeah, yeah. How did the pandemic? How did you kind of fare through the pandemic in terms of, you know, your relationship to running? I mean, there was obviously no races. Like we weren't as mm-hmm. fortunate in Canada. I feel like the states kind of came up with different ways to do it, but there was really nothing for such a long time for us. And how did you do with that? And how did you sort of stay motivated during that time? Yeah, you know, I think, again, Canada was pretty shut down with racing, for sure. And and especially that first year. And then, you know, they kind of got doing these virtual races and things like that, which I didn't really like, because I find it's no different than me going out and doing a training run. Um, It's pretty hard to get geared up for a virtual run. You know, looking back, COVID was tough. COVID was really tough. I think the biggest thing during COVID was just the motivation and that lack of social with running, which I think is part of what we look forward to when, when we're racing, right? It's that, I don't know, it's lining up beside the runner beside you and, and looking around and everybody's got their game face on. Well, that was gone. That was just taken yeah. away. And I think, you know, everybody does races for a different reason. I've always had that little competitive edge and I like to compete. So when that mm-hmm. was gone, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And it was tough to motivate myself. It was tough to some days even get out the door. Like I remember some weeks where I maybe got out for two or three runs, which it's not really much, you know, coming off Mm -hmm. and training six or seven days a week. So yeah, I think, I think just feeling locked up and feeling like you can't be around people really was part of that whole lack of motivation. Mm -hmm. Well, you're definitely not alone. I mean, I know just about every runner that that experienced some form of lockdown, which brings pretty much every runner on the planet, mm-hmm. went through some of that. Some felt it more deeply than others. Um, I know for me, it it's running becomes such a huge part of your identity, right? Mm-hmm. And and not just what you do, but it's who you are. It's your social mm-hmm. life. It's your release. You know, it's it's all of these things. So. I'm wondering, did you start to feel some of that trying to redefine yourself during COVID a little bit? And then I guess the second part of that question is, how did you come out of it? Did you come out of it? Are you Mm -hmm. the same runner now that you were pre-COVID or did COVID in some way 
change us forever when it comes to our motivation and competitive drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, again, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself, but I definitely say I'm I'm not I'm not the same runner. They're not even mm-hmm. close to being the same runner. Um, I'm trying to think even the past year, like I've done a handful of races, and I used to you know, kind of be out there looking for those races. Like every month I would get my schedule out and line the races up. I just don't do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I believe that's the biggest factor was COVID and, and, and losing that you, you lose that being competitive and, and that identity, like you said, you know, yeah. If, if you ask anyone in my area who Paula is, it's Paula the runner. Like they might not know my last name. They might not know. Oh yeah. That's Paula the runner. Right. (laughs) Right, Um, right. So it it is a big part of, of losing, losing your identity. And um, it was always an outlet for me, but I even kind of felt like I lost that part. Right. Cause they're just, it was hard to get out the door some days. We are only, you know, really, I think about a year post you know, some form of limitation due to the pandemic, right? We're still not that far out of it. So I I feel the same way as you, Paula. I feel like I haven't recovered that same spark that I did before mm-hmm. that drive. Um, and I'm kind of personally hoping that there's still more to come. You know, there's still <laughs> going to be an evolution and a healing and a, you know, return to the previous me. Some of that redefinition, I don't think is a bad thing. I think in some ways, sometimes we need a little control alt delete to go, are we, are we Mm -hmm. overdoing it in this area? Do we need to rebalance in another area? But I definitely agree with you that I think the pandemic has definitely shifted, not just how we do races, but our internal relationship Mm -hmm. with being competitive as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, I hope, you know, I hope it is kind of a reset and I hope, you know, to kind of get that edge back again, whatever that edge is. I mean, the edge I have today is not going to be anything like what I had, you know, 10 years ago, but um, it's to get that feeling back again. Like I'm still passionate about running. I haven't lost Mm. the passion. It's maybe the drive, if that makes any sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, (laughs) I'll go through these phases where I'll, again, I'll start, okay, I'm, going back to the the old school of the two workouts a week and the one long run and you get out there and I'll have a week or two weeks of you know getting back into that and then something will happen and it's like oh you know I can't get out the door today yeah you know yeah 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 and I think that identity piece like you said people know you as Paula the runner and and you've just kind of always had that drive to kind of get out there and get after it and all that and and to lose that for whatever reason it's very disorienting I would imagine Mm -hmm. is that kind of how you felt like what what who is this person that doesn't Mm want to go out for a run and and also also uh, piggybacking on that you you said something interesting of you know without that that social outlet, whether that's actually running with friends or seeing the your friends and your competitors on the start line, it's so interesting to me that typically people think of running. Oh well, a good thing you're a runner. Like you, you must be sailing through this pandemic because the running's an individual sport and you can still do it, right? And to some extent, that's true. But I think it's really interesting what you say. Like when you don't have those races to look forward to and those competitors to see and those training partners to meet up with, it doesn't like it yes technically it's an individual sport but it really is 
a community-based thing and a team-based thing. Is that what you found? Oh, I think so for sure. Like, yes, we're out there training, you know, probably 80% of it by ourselves, but there's still that 20% where you look forward to seeing people, you look forward to, you know, again, being competitive and and that adrenaline you get. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and when you kind of lose that little bit, it it I, it, t- it just takes something away from it. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. and I think you're defining there the difference in maybe why people run and how they run. Social runners and competitive runners were probably the mm-hmm. most affected by mm-hmm. the pandemic, right? Yeah. Solo lone runners who just ran for health and fitness and to get away from everybody which actually I was in that state for quite a long while. <laughs> the pandemic was yeah. a relief. There was nobody around. <laughs> in fact, I get annoyed when I saw all these people at the trailhead that weren't normally there. I'm like, what are you doing on my trails? But um, yeah, the competitive nature for sure. You know, I could see how, yes, you can run, but are you running with the same drive, with the same intensity? Yeah. And I found that too, Paula, like just, because again, I'm not in the league of, of runner that you are, but I am competitive. I like races mm-hmm. and I don't, I did not like virtual, virtual. races. Cause I'm like, yeah. this is not why I run like going out yeah. and just, cause it's basically a time trial and that's not how I yeah. can get the best out of myself. So did you ever get into the virtual thing or, or not? So no, much? no, I didn't. Yeah. I think I did one 5k, 5k was my limit. And you know what? I give so so many kudos to the people who went out and did like half marathons and marathons and actually you know put decent times up there out there doing it solo again with you know no water stations no crowds no anything i mean that's pretty it's pretty phenomenal people that yeah 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 yeah, honestly some people some people were just doing loops Yeah, I know. I know. So mad respect, major kudos to all those people. But yeah, I'm not cut from that cloth <laughs> at no, all. No. And I try, I tried to do a marathon and it was a, it was a bit of a d- disaster, which I've talked about lots on this podcast. So yes, to revisit it, but, I think Carolyn yes. will be talking about that until you're like 95. <laughs> oh. It'll go down yeah. in history as the COVID virtual marathon <laughs> in <laughs> 2021 or whatever it oh, was. Bad. Well, you I'm gave it a try, right? I was there. I saw how hard that was for you. It was hard. Yeah. 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 It was very humbling. Anyway. That's why I stuck to the 5k. Oh, you're so smart for doing that. It wasn't a choice. It was like, uh, I was just clinging on to this marathon, like actual, it was going to be Chicago that I was um, supposed to have run. So uh, I felt compelled to do it since I was doing it for charity. And it was just not the same. It was my bad for not adjusting my goals. I was like, I've still got the same goal. I'm just going to do it virtually. No, 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 no. That is not how it works. Anyhow, so the pandemic was a major factor in this in this last five years for you. And Mm -hmm. with good reason, like for all these reasons that we're talking about, I think a lot of people struggled. But it just happened to overlap with, um, you know, perimenopause (laughs) for you. Um, So maybe we could transition into, uh, you know, your experience. Of course, this affects everybody very differently. But how do you think that kind of change in your life uh, impacted you and your running? Oh, I think a great deal as well. Again, you know, you have all these different factors kind of happening at the same time so you know was it perimenopause was it you know like depression from that or lack of motivation from from perimenopause you know just the whole just feeling crappy right I think that I was fortunate 
like I honestly feel like I kind of sailed through that perimenopause phase other than again lack of motivation and I'm using kind of the term depression loosely because I don't think I was I never was like in bed and couldn't get out of bed or anything like that but again it's that not feeling good about yourself Mm -hmm. I guess is what it comes down to Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And again, that running's all part of it, right? That running was always my release and my feel good. Again, going through perimenopause and menopause was, I don't know, I, I think it just leaves you unsure of yourself yeah. and not feeling, just not feeling good about yourself. Your yeah. body changes, you're, you're mentally, you're changing um, and you know, you, you're never going back, Right. Like that's reality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and then, you know, to compound that with the identity crisis, for lack of a better word, of not running during COVID, you know, everything's changing. Your body, your your social life, your psyche, mm-hmm. you know, just made me think that, again, COVID affected everybody, not to come back to that repeatedly, but mm-hmm. in different phases of life, I think in different timelines, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're already yeah. going through a shift where a year is a long time, with or without COVID, where you're going to be different. And then you add on top of that, the changes of, of what happened in the early 2020s, you know, it, it exponentially multiplies mm-hmm. the perception of change, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're, you know, two years when you're 25, isn't the same, you know, you could go to exactly. bed at 25 and wake up at 27 and really life's not that different, right? It's not but that it's different. different if you're, you know, going through pregnancy and having children or going through menopause or going through, you know, a disease process or something, it's going to be significantly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to take over that part of the conversation. No. But, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. so besides feeling depressed a little bit, lack of motivation, like what were some of the other symptoms that you yeah. experienced during that time? You know, recovery was tougher, like on those hard runs more sore feeling that lack of muscle gain there's no more building muscle unless you're working five times harder than you were when you were 30 right it's that that loss of muscle has been big and it still is like it's the one thing I'm like okay like I can cut my running back and add two more strength days and I'd probably be further ahead you know body image hasn't really changed that much so again I think as a runner, we're kind of fortunate because I think if you've kind of exercised for 20 or 30 years at a pretty high intensity, we're fortunate that way with our with the whole body image. I don't find that's changed other than the muscle loss. Yeah. You almost have to shift that balance of like how much running and how much strength as you age, right? That it has to tip back to like more strength, mm-hmm. less running, you can get away with less running because you have decades worth of running in your legs, but it's the strength that's going to help with the, you know, being able to tolerate more work, yeah. right? Um, but were you able to even add those strength days if the gyms were closed and, and that kind of thing? Or did you have a setup at home? Well, we have a setup at home, but that was more, we brought, we bought a setup for my son to have because he had lost everything as well. Like with him being a competitive swimmer and in a small town, there was no pool. There was, you know, there was no gym, there was no anything. So yes, that gym was there in our garage. Did I use it? No. Again, it's yeah. hard to be when honest. It's not routine that you're used to, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And we're runners, right? We want to run. So it's, it's not that 
like when you're already struggling with motivation and you say, okay, do you want to weight lift or do you want to go out for a run? I think we'd probably always yeah. choose running, right? Yeah. And I would say, yeah, I would say most runners, I mean, we run and that's what we like to do. And, and I don't know if being a woman plays into that, but I'm not even still comfortable in the gym. I'll go and do my thing. Um, it's not my comfort zone where running is my comfort zone. So it's a real, even today, it's a real, real push for me to go. I know 120%, I have to do it, but it's still a real push to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a woman to woman perimenopause question here? And this kind of links into what we talked about when we talked about Good for a Girl, the book Good for a Girl. So, you know, as a physiotherapist, I would counsel, I would see many clients go through the aging process, right? You know, as you get older and you picture this linear line and I would routinely say, there's no such thing as overtraining, there's under recovering, especially as you get Mm -hmm. older, right? We can still maintain a very high level activity. It's just your recovery to activity ratio might have to change, right? (laughs) And it, it starts to get more significant. But again, I would always picture this linear line. When you're going through hormonal changes, we're not small men and we're not aging men. It's not always linear, right? You can have periods of ebb and flow, with hormones. So I guess my question to you is, and again, you're not the expert on everybody here. This Mm -hmm. is a personal experience question. Did you find that there were periods where you needed more recovery, less recovery, that you felt menopause was affecting more and less? Was that confusing? Was it hard to figure out? Did you intuitively just, just roll with it? Or were you more persistent in trying to force your body into a box? That's a lot of questions, but I'm just, mm-hmm. I guess, somewhat wanting to understand and not every woman goes through this in the same way mm-hmm. either, mm-hmm. but was there more of a wave, I guess, is my question. I think it, it was a huge wave. Like you could have okay. been surfing on these waves. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, like, like my cycles were pretty even, but they were very up and down, you know, and I would try to figure it out because again, as a runner, like we're kind of used to oh, kind of trying to figure the stats out and trying to figure, but the waves became bigger throughout that cycle. Mm. And I think depending on where I was in the cycle, the motivation would be harder. Um, The moods would be worse. I mean, you still get the bloating. You still get that just, ugh. you know, I just Mm -hmm. don't feel like doing it today. And then two weeks go by and that's kind of where, you know, I used to, like I would get in my head, like, okay, let's do the reset. I feel good. You know, I'd go those one or two weeks and everything would just be ticking along. Then all of a sudden you could just feel it and you'd kind of fall back down. Um, So 100%, like, Okay. So it's a valid question I'm asking. It's not hundred percent. It was, yeah. So what did you do? Like, you know, when you have a normal 28 day cycle, when you're younger, you know, you can predict that for two weeks, you're going to be rocking it. And for two weeks, you're going to have lower, you know, high hormone phase, whatever. But when the waves become more unpredictable and prolonged, Mm -hmm. how did you manage your buoyancy through all of that? I don't know if I did manage it. Okay. Well, that was actually going to be my next thing. Did you like, um, not seeking advice, just wondering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're strong. I think that most women, most athletes, I think we're strong mentally Mm -hmm. and we know what we need to do. And we were, and again, not all of us, 
but we're able to push through things and we're able to kind of know that there's a hump there and you're going to get over the top and you'll feel okay again. And I think that's kind of just the way I was, I was living. Like I said, running's always been my passion. So I knew, you know, maybe it's the next day, but I'm going to get out again and I'm going to feel good. I'm going to have that day where I throw my shoes on and Oh, thank God I got Mm -hmm. out the door and I feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so hard with hormones. Like you, you know, you have no control over it. And it's not my background, but did I research it? Did I read? Did I Google? Did I, I, I did everything. Like there were yeah. group chats on Facebook mm-hmm. with other elite master runners and people would kind of talk about what they're going through and, you know, what supplement they might be taking that helps them. And there was so much information out there, but again, we're all different. We're all individuals. Um, what worked for someone else? Is it going to work for me? Did I try mm-hmm. a lot of different things? Sure. You know, I'm still yeah. trying different things, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. cause I'm just now maybe in menopause. Like I'm just, you know, I'm not yeah. that full year yet where it's, it's not happening. Do I feel like I'm getting a little more even? Yes. Do I feel like I'm a heck of a lot slower and my recoveries are a lot harder? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And it is the recovery. Yeah. It is the recovery part. When I do a hard workout now, it takes me three days where I could used to do, you know, two days and then I could get back at it. Yeah. So that's frustrating too. Again, that whole thing when you're 30, you can train hard, but now when you're 50, you have to train harder, but different. Mm-hmm. So it's harder figuring that harder. Out. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think you're speaking to like, I think one thing that we can do, like knowledge is power a lot of the time, mm-hmm. right? And so if you seek to understand the, just the cycle in general, what happens at this time in life in general, and then really drill down and understand you and then be able to tailor kind of your training and your expectations even to what point that you're at in the cycle, then we can be a little bit more go with the flow and, and forgiving yeah. to ourselves too. Of- yeah. Like that's the whole thing. Just kind of accepting it. And, and, mm-hmm. and like, I tell myself it's okay. Like what, yeah. who, what am I trying to prove? Like mm-hmm. no one really cares what you're doing. No one's looking at your times. No one's really, but it's hard to get that in your head. Right. So it's, it's, yeah. it's stepping back and trying to just find that enjoyment again and really not caring. Right. It's as simple as not really caring what the person standing beside you is thinking because they're really not thinking anything. They're thinking about comparing yourself to who you were 10 years ago, whatever. So, first off, thank you so much. I know we're not done the show, but I'm going to give you the thank you for being so open and and Mm -hmm. honest about your experience here. Because even though you admittedly didn't necessarily figure it all out, just (laughs) you sharing your experience tell other people, look, I'm not alone. This, this is something that happens to, you know, even elite masters runners. And it, it's a thing. It's a valid thing. And it, it can just be validating. Right. And that alone yes. yeah. can be huge. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we've got the pandemic. Okay. We've got And let's add on, and we've kind of been speaking to it a little bit, but just naturally what happens as you 
go through. Like, why do we have five-year age categories once you get to master's? We have that for a reason. Why do the Boston yes. qualifying times change every, you know, five years? Exactly. And whether you're yeah. a man or a woman, it's because of science. And legitimately, this is what happens to bodies as they go through yeah. these different phases of life. And so you had the, on top of the pandemic and, and perimenopause, you, you know, have gotten five years older in the last five years, as we all have. Yeah. And you've been speaking about how that can come with, you know, like you have to work 10 times harder to maintain your muscle mass or to even just slow that decline. And your running times, which is what let's be honest, like that's the most objective thing that you can say, oh, I'm a, I'm a 248 marathoner or, you know, like those times are so important to runners, especially competitive runners, and they are just going to get slower. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my question for you is like, how have you navigated this part of it? The, the slowing down, because I'm recalling a very funny conversation that you and I had as we were kind of talking before recording about like, no one really cares. No one really actually knows what your times are the way that you might feel that they're important. No one really cares. Um, you know, you might run a marathon and you tell your loved one your time and and they've forgotten what it was by the time you get to the car. Like they don't actually really care. And what was funny in our conversation was that you have a very competitive um, son in swimming and you've forgotten his time sometimes. And he's like, no mom, those aren't my times. And how can you not remember my times? And it's like, because no one cares. cares. And we don't mean that in a bad way. It's just exactly. Yeah, I think I think we allow ourselves to get in our own head, right? And sometimes it's hard to get out of our heads. And I think that's what I'm still trying to do, right? Like 10 years ago, I, I drew a graph of 5K to half marathons and you could see just that steady decline like we talked about. Mm-hmm. When you hit 50, man, it starts to go a little bit, a little steeper. Yep. It definitely goes a little steeper. And then again, with with that lack of motivation and COVID, and if you're not testing yourself all the time, it's hard to maintain that. That's the one thing I've found. So because we don't have those races or didn't have those races, I wasn't able to kind of keep that form and keep testing myself because I lost that, didn't want to do a virtual, didn't want to, I mean, that's just a workout. That's just a time trial. But it's... 50 was good. Mm-hmm. And then since 50, it's been, it's been a pretty quick, quick downhill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting. So back to the, the just Boston qualifying times, which I think a lot of our listeners would have an appreciation for, like, let's take women at 45 to 49. It's a 350 qualifying time. And then when you turn 50, it's 355. But then when you turn 55, it's 405. It's a 10 minute difference in those five years. So this is what you're talking about. The graph that you drew that, you know, you see it going down and then it almost kind of like falls off a little cliff at, at 55. And I think that there's another age, if I'm not mistaken, well, then, then at 60, it's 420. It drops another 15 minutes. So in that decade between 50 and 60, there's a lot of strength loss happening. And I would say that, it's almost easier to keep, to keep the endurance side of things. It's the speed that's so hard. So if, yes. if we're losing that much in endurance, in the marathon, speed's even, the yeah. speed's even oh, more, right? Yeah. 
Right. Oh, good point. Yeah. So what's happening to your 5k time and, and all of that as opposed to yeah. like, yeah, the marathon, because you're right. We retain our endurance for, for far longer than we do our speed. And you're seeing these like 10 minute, 15 minutes. So that means within 10 years, you're dropping 25 minutes. Yeah. Is that right? Am I doing that math right? Like it just is yeah. mind boggling. That's, yeah. that's a lot of time on a marathon. So I guess back to you in this time and as you're kind of living through this, so you're, you're sort of halfway between this decade that we're talking about, um, how have you or have you had to redefine what success is in your own mind in order to accept and, and cope with what's happening? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, right now, again, I'm just still, I'm just still fighting to get myself back to where I feel like I can race. Last year, I did a little bit of racing in the fall and, and that felt really good, but I haven't done a race since. Right. So it's, it's getting myself back into that, not super competitive. I'm always going to be competitive. I'm mentally just, you know, I want to do well. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that I need to set those goals again. Mm -hmm. What those goals are going to look like, I'm not sure. I still have in the back of my head, you know, there's the little, you know, time goals that I have to have. But I'm switching gears a bit where, you know, it's that 5K. This season I said I'm focusing on 5K. Last year it was the half. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going back to like 5K is my favorite race, you know. So I'm, I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to hit the track again. I'm going to do the weights. That's sort of been my plan. Um, you know, and I, and I say that about the 50 to 55 is tough, yet I look at female runners today and really like 40s, the new 30 and 50s, the new mm -hmm. 40, like what mm -hmm. we're accomplishing as women, our longevity, mm -hmm. we're actually gaining. So if this was 20 years ago when I was 55, it might look completely different. Like, I think we're really right. fortunate, right? We just, we train better. We recover better. We learn how to do all those things. So that's yeah. kind of my focus and what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, you have Joan Benoit Samuelson as a, no, as a role go, model. Right? Yeah. It, wouldn't she be about 10 years, 10 years older yeah. than you? Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah. Okay, so a minute ago, you just mentioned that the 5K is your favorite race of all time. And we very briefly touched on that on our, in our conversation on uh, Women Run Canada. But uh, I want to I go down this path a little bit. What is it exactly that you love about the 5K? I, I like the feeling of speed. I like to hit the track and I like to feel that turnover. And I like to get myself in that red zone and like running a 5k compared to half is so different. Like a 5k, some people, marathon runners will say, Oh, 5k hurts more than a marathon does. I like that hurt. I like getting yes. to that zone where I can push, but I also know that it's over in 20 minutes. Right. Right. So right. you can just kind of hang it out there. And yes. Yeah. I just kind of like to be able to, to run fast as opposed I, to long and and I think, you know, you can also race them more often, right? So if you're yeah. trying to get back into it and, and sort of measure, like, how am I doing and how am I doing this week and this month? And, and you can kind of go for it quite a bit yeah. 
more yeah. than the marathon, which tends to be all the eggs in that basket. But I think it's yeah. interesting. I, I couldn't agree with you more like that leg turnover that like, I want to feel like I'm running fast, whatever fast is for me. That's what the 5k is. Like I like the, when the gun goes off and you go, I yeah. even find in a marathon that it's like the gun goes off and you're just like, jogging basically because like you don't want to be sprinting out of the gates in a marathon so yeah the strategy um, the strategy is just completely different right yes and you know what as the endurance ultra athlete (laughs) in this podcast I want to yet again highlight how many different ways a runner can express themselves so as you were just Mm -hmm. saying to me here you know I love that pain I love to like feel the red zone for 20 minutes and be done you know what flashed into my mind Carolyn was Ehor varies a 20 he was 26 I think on our when we first interviewed him he is he was on in Canadian running this yes. month. Um, yes. He has won every race except for one. He got second since he started in the hundred mile distance, hundred yep. K distance. He's like in his early twenties and he says the exact opposite. I can't yep. handle the burn. I hate running fast. <laughs> I would rather run for a hundred miles and he's very good at it. And here you are at the opposite end of the age spectrum saying what normally young runners say. So I guess my point is, Runners come in all shapes and sizes and expressions. And I think that is a beauty of our sport is there is something for everybody and it's Mm -hmm. okay to hate distance. It's okay to hate the burn. (laughs) There's got to be some other way that you can run, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a a really uh, good example to sort of point out those differences. Oh yeah. (laughs) That article, by the way, on Ehor in this, in this month's trail magazine was exceptional. It was really, really, really good. Um, Yeah. Okay, so Paula, you have said, uh, maybe it was in when we talked before this, you said, if you're competitive, you never lose it. Let's explore that for a second and how you think that kind of dovetails into your love of the 5K and some of the shorter distances where you can really suffer, <laughs> feel the burn. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you know, my family, we're just like, even within my family, everybody in the household is competitive. You know, we still uh, we still fight for titles in the house. Um, I think I really believe because I've coached a lot of people. I really believe you either have that competitive edge or you don't. I have runners who Mm -hmm. they don't even like to set time goals. And I think time goals are important no matter who you are, because I think you have to strive for something. You can't if you're going to go into races, you still need to have time goals. So um, some people just I'm out here because of the social you know, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I want to feel good, but they don't really care how they do. I'm the opposite. I'm 100% still as competitive as I was when I was 30 in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. You don't ever lose it. You yeah. never lose it. My, I see it in my son. I see it in my husband. Um, you can't turn that switch off. I don't think it yeah. matters how old you are. You never turn it off. Yeah. So do you think that's part of what might have been messing with you in those Mm. early COVID days is that it's like, I'm Paula and I'm this competitive person. I don't really feel that driven to compete right now. Like what is going on? And when you also know that like you're getting slower and you can't do anything about it, like, like I'm running a 5k and I'm going as hard as I can go and I'm not hitting where I 
mentally think I should be, right? Physically, I'm not there. I can't get there in my head. I can, but physically I can't, right? So that's a big, that's a big, not even a hit to an ego. Cause I would never, ever say like I had an ego when I was running. I, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I ran cause I love to run and um, I probably cheered other people on more than I cheered myself or I was happier how other people did, but it, it, it is a hit and it's hard. It's hard to, and that's where you have to redefine yourself because there's no going back. There's no hitting those marks anymore. So what are those marks going to be for me now? And, and I've been doing this now for four or five years trying to figure that out. Right. So you know, I think this is a whole potentially other podcast. We need to get a guest on here to talk about the grieving process because it is a grieving process yeah. of of first you're in shock. I'm not as fast as I was. And then you're in denial and then you're bargaining and then you're angry. <laughs> and finally you reach acceptance, right? It's like, okay, this, this is never going to happen again. <laughs> I can bargain all I want, but it's just not happening. So then yeah. how do you redefine it? Right. And it, it, yeah. it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes you might have a great run and you're back to the beginning. It's, it's, you know, no longer an issue, but yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's a thing. It's definitely, but I think that's where yeah. understanding the science and the physiology can be helpful to help you set realistic goals for yourself now, like your 55 year old self, not just kind of stabbing in the dark. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. does yeah. Yeah. 1830 sound good or 19, like physiologically, what should I be able to do if I was here yeah. at my peak and I've continued to train and, and all of that. So I think, you know, but, but it does play with your psyche. Like it, it, mm-hmm. For several years, I would go into race and you know how I just said, I like to hurt. Like, I like to feel oh, that. Wow. I didn't want to feel it anymore. I didn't oh. allow myself to get to that because I knew I wasn't as fast, um, if that makes any sense. So like I talked about last fall doing some races and I had a really decent half marathon. And it was the first time probably in four years that I truly feel that I pushed myself again. So I actually lost so much that, I was in these races and I wasn't pushing. So I'm wondering, did you not push? Because if you had pushed and come up lacking, it would have revealed something you didn't want to accept. And by not yeah, pushing, you him. never actually had to accept that you were, yeah. your, your ceiling had changed, right? So you're, you're almost giving yourself an out before yeah, you even start. So I went through a, a big phase of that, I think. And then COVID happened. So it didn't matter anyways. But uh, yeah, you like it was kind of where I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I didn't really feel like pushing and it is what it is. So again, that that's all in your head. That's 100% in your head. It's not even a physical no. thing. Yeah. But I can see that because if all along when you know, when you push, it's quote, worth it because you're going to see this great time at the end and maybe it's your best time and and that's rewarding in and of itself, right? But if you're, that's never going to happen ever again where you push and you're rewarded with your fastest time. So then why push? Like if the only reason to push was the good time, Mm -hmm. then it, so that's where the redefining, I guess, comes in, I think. But I can see that like, because it's not so black and white anymore, yeah. It's sort of like, where's the line today? And it, it keeps yeah. on moving and shifting that that potentially 
is part of what plays with the psyche. Yeah. Well, and I, and think, I think it's just about aging. Sorry, go ahead, Paula. Yeah, well, but but we did talk about those waves and it might not be about aging. Like, I think there's probably a oh, lot yeah. of other people that go through it. But, you know, um, you just think of those those waves that you're you're riding. And, and you know, yeah. sometimes it's just, yeah, you just don't feel like digging deep. Right. right. And, and that's a weird feeling in itself when you're super competitive. It's like, what, yeah. what the heck's going on? Like, why am I feeling like this? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, just adding on to the challenges that you've had in the last five years, um, for the longest time, for a good 20 years, almost you were sponsored by Saucony and you had their support and you were in it excellent ambassador for them and their brand and in this last I can't remember like last couple of years they have ended their sponsorship of uh with you so let's talk about that <laughs> how how did you do what were your feelings around this I mean you you were telling me that you saw you saw it coming like even before yes. it, like yeah. a few years even before it came but still you can see something coming. Like I think of a loved one who's ill and, and it's like, you know, it's going to happen, but still when it happens, it's, it's still hard. Right. Yeah, so it's, a, it's you- a slap. It's, it's, it's a, it's a slap. And again, 100% knew it was coming. I think we all did. And again, COVID played into, we couldn't compete anymore. We, yeah. we, I mean, we were on social media, but there, we weren't really posting things, um, which is a big, you know, with all these companies now, right. It's a, it's, it's kind of the, yeah. the way they've turned with influencers. And so, um, knew it was coming, but you're never really ready for it. Like, again, no. they were, you know, they were so loyal to me for 20 years. I never, ever took it for granted. And I was very fortunate, but we talk about identity. So that was my identity as well. Saucony was my identity for 20 years and I wore it proud. Um, so that it hurt. And again, it was, you go back to your psyche and, and trying to push through things and all these things are being thrown back at you. So did it play into my, my mind and my head games? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It is. It is. It's so much. It's so much. Um, now I think this we can always look in the rear view mirror and, oh, this happened and it's fine. And I'm, I accept it now, or it happened for a reason or, or however you come to terms with things. But, um, I, I think I remember seeing you try on a pair of the Nike, the Nike super shoes, uh, when your sponsorship ended with Saucony. So can I, can I ask how the Nike, um, carbon plated shoe compared to Saucony's? You know what, honestly, I tried them both out and I tried them both out in workouts. Now I've raced in the Nikes. The Endorphin Pro really is just as good as the Nike as far as I'm concerned. Um, Anyone wearing these Nike Alphas now would probably disagree with me, but they're both pretty awesome shoes. I probably have worn the Nike more in my last couple of races than the, the Saucony, but there's really not that much of a difference. Yeah. I think the the playing field has leveled out quite a I bit. I think so from, too. You know the 2017 era that yeah. all the companies have have decent yeah. shoes to choose from now. There's a lot of nice shoes out there. Are fast carbon plated. Okay, so here's here's let's flip this losing your sponsorship for a second and look at the bright side. As a person who has a <laughs> massive shoe fetish myself. 
Did, was it liberating? Could you all of a sudden now go trying all these shoes that you never really felt you could, like, at least in plain view of anybody else before? Was it fun? Yeah, yeah no. it was. But <laughs> when you're getting free shoes all the time, yeah. that's kind of nice. cost money. I agree. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the only shoes I've tried, I've tried Saucony, I have Nikes, and I have... Uh, Hocus that I'm really enjoying too, like training ones that I train in that are, have been kind of fun to use. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, maybe just briefly, what does your relationship with running look like now? I know, I know we've kind of been talking about it throughout this, but is there anything on the horizon, any races that you're getting ready for besides, well, have you chosen a 5k? Did you say what the 5k was? Um, I'll probably do Emily's run in the fall. That'll kind of be my goal, 5K. And that's one of my favorites um, when Ken Parker was doing it. Well, started it, you know, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 years ago. It's now with Run Ottawa. But um, that's probably my goal because the last few years, I've it always runs on the same weekend as Petite Nord. And I've, been, I've done the half there the last two years. So that'll be my goal race. And uh I have a goal time, but I'm not putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to contact the spreadsheet that has your, your times and what's happening with them. And yeah, what time no. of the month it'll be. And <laughs> Honestly, I just, I, I hope to run sub 19. That's the goal. So we'll, nice. I've got a lot of work to do. Like I have a lot of hit the track and, and, um, recovering from hitting the track and mm-hmm. doing some strength. So there's a, there's a lot of work there, but that's sort of my long-term goal. Um, I just really look at more local events now or events just south of the border. So I haven't really set, set any big plans and I keep saying, I want to come back to the track and do track. And now that Mm -hmm. I see Johnny, Mm -hmm. your husband doing so well Mm -hmm. on the track, tell him he's kind of motivating me to get on the track. Well, that that's a full circle moment. I'm sure he'll be very, very proud to think that he's motivated you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, it, it would be kind of fun to do some track stuff, for sure. I think you would do really well on the track, really well, well in those uh, Canadian, at the, at the Canadian level and the world level probably too. So hmm, there's lots we'll of see. options there for we'll you. We'll see. <laughs> Oh, that's heard it here first, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Inspired Souls podcast. So I did ask you this in our other interview, but I'll, I'll put a little twist on it. So where do you look for inspiration today compared to where you looked for inspiration 10 or more years ago? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think I... I think most of my inspiration still come from, from my circle of runner friends. Um, mm. You know, I have a very close friend doing um, two oceans. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Former Alona. guests on the podcast. Yeah. Alona. Alona. So, what? you know, I'm coaching her, trying to get her there. I mean, that to me, I mean, it's, phenomenal what she's trying to do and she is so fit right now and she's done everything I've thrown at her like these crazy long well you would know as as you know kind of trail and ultra what it's all about but um I have another Mm. friend coming back to to doing a marathon she's doing Boston and she kind of lost that whole thing through COVID and um different personal things going on with her life and she's 
race in, in another two weeks. So I think I look for people close to me and, and that's kind of where my inspiration is, is coming from now, mm-hmm. which is probably very different than, than what it used to be. Um, and then I have my family. I mean, I have my, my kids and, you know, my husband, he's old and creaky like me, but he trains like a madman. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see him still doing that as well. Cause he struggles just like I do, but he, man, he guts it out. It doesn't matter what he's doing. He likes this long endurance stuff that, uh, he seems to be able to gut out. Well, he's triathlon more than straight up running. Yeah. Right. So that's even more time, right? Yeah. Investment as far as the training goes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I yeah. respect for them too. So would you say that then, you know, you're looking uh, around your, circle of people, right? Family and friends. In the past, would it have been more like you're looking to your peers or elite people or or do you think it's kind of always been th- through the, the people that you know best? Um, I think that, you know, again, even just, I'm just even thinking of the depth we have in our Canadian female athletes and what they've, the gains they have made in the past 10 years. So it's hard not to look at any of them and, and like for motivation, I mean, you look at Melinda, you look at Krista who just did, you know, the marathons. And I think she kind of said she's retired from doing marathons. Did I see that out there? I Um, think I saw that as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's just, I mean, there's so many of those women um, not yeah. that I don't look at men for inspiration, but I think that uh, I, th- I think there's just they've kind of reinvented themselves, especially mm-hmm. the Canadian female runners. Yeah. You know, and, and if I can even, you know, you can even talk of, you know, these women on the track and at every distance. So yeah. I think there's just there's so much inspiration out there. Like it's pretty hard to narrow it down to anybody, yeah. really. Well, I was at a swim meet. I can look at, you know, the swim meet. I was just at with my son and you have this young 16 year old girl, um, breaking open world. Summer Macintosh. Yeah. Yeah. Swimming records. I mean, how is that? And you just, the vibe you feel, you know, the crowd, you're sitting there and everybody's just going crazy with this, this young girls. Yeah. You were there and watched that? Well, that Josh was competing there. That's where my son was swimming. So you, you saw her breaking those records or, oh, or yeah. did you actually, you did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's like, yeah. <laughs> wow. I, again, yeah. I mean, my, my son yeah. was at trials, like he qualified to be there. So she's, he's there at finals and she's out there swimming, but he's, he's swam with her all the way through. Cause they're close to the same age, but what yeah. she's accomplishing now is, I mean, it's mind boggling really. Mm-hmm. And again, our, our, women swimmers, the depth we have is incredible. Totally. Yeah. 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 So you can look to other sports too, for inspiration. I like that answer. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, Paula. Well, um, we want to be respectful of your time. I know we've kept you up past your bedtime and sleep is very important for the recovery side of things, as we all know. Uh, But if people are loving what they heard from you today, is there a place they can find you? Are you still posting on social media? 
I am. I'm on Instagram. I'm still on Facebook. I haven't kind of got the TikTok bug yet, but we're we're working on it. Um, it's going to be banned in North America anyway. So you have to. <laughs> there, there you go. And and you know, I'm I'm going to do a little plug for the the coaching side. So That's I do um, coach under Mile to Marathon. You know, I've been coaching now for 15, 20 years, and and I love it. And I love doing you know working with Mile to Marathon. year. again the coaching depth they have i mean you've got olympians you've got world-class athletes all across canada for coaches coaches so it's pretty nice yes oh my goodness yes we'll put all that in the show notes like you do mile to marathon and then you also have your own right your my local yeah yeah my My reason to run yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, giving back to Yay. to the community. Uh, I love it. It's always a treat whenever I get to to talk to you. So thank you so so much for uh, for coming on the show and again for sharing so honestly and openly. We really appreciate it, and we wish you all the best of luck in everything you have coming up in twenty twenty three. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. 